you'll hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint, you know, for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unruly Podcast. My name is Kaylin Otto, and I'm your host today. <laughs> and quite frankly, every day. I don't know why I said today, like, there's another host here. I am so excited to have you here. It has been a while, a couple months to be exact. So before we jump into today's interview with two incredible people that I met while backpacking, I want to fill you in a little bit on what I've been doing. So my partner and I grabbed our backpacks and we flew to Mexico. We backpacked through Mexico. Then we went through Guatemala. Oh my goodness, we fell in love with Guatemala. And then we hit El Salvador for a couple days. And then we came back to the U.S. and I went on to San Francisco, New Mexico, and Portland, Oregon. And Portland was really exciting for me because, well, years ago, I went to Women's Travel Fest. And even though I'm not a woman, I'm non-binary, I use they, them pronouns, I definitely understand the woman, female, travel, and life experience. So, you know, it's so easy to connect with people there, and there's a lot of uh, female solo travelers, and there's a lot of conversations around safety and adventure and things that I'm very interested in. So anyways, I went a few years ago, and there's a blog post that I'll link in the show notes so you can see what I wrote about it and the video I made about how I got there on a really small budget. And I loved it, but I saw this space where budget travel was not being talked about, and I thought... I'm going to come back and talk about budget travel. I want to speak at this event. And the only public speaking I've done, honestly, is like protests, getting up on tables in restaurants and doing speak outs for animal rights activism, things like that. Um, But guess what? This year, right before I turned 26, I spoke on a panel the first day and I had my own talk the second day. So that was like full circle. So exciting for me. And then when I came back to North Carolina, I got to do a talk for the Nomadic Network. And so if you're interested in watching either of these talks, uh, send me an email at helloandreallytravel at gmail.com and I would be happy to send you some more information. And yeah, if you want to see what our adventures were all about and my guides to Mexico and Guatemala, go to unreallytravel.com where you can find all of that for free and you can see all the vibrant photos that we took where we ate, where we stayed on a budget, like tips when you're backpacking those countries. So much good information. So be sure to check that out. And I really want to do a podcast episode soon where I really dive into those trips. So if you have any questions about backpacking Mexico or Guatemala on a budget as a vegan, you know, fill in the blank, be sure to send me your questions to my email or send me them on social media so I can answer them in an upcoming podcast. With all that being said, I cannot wait for you to meet our guest today. Thank you both, Gio Daria, for coming on the Unruly Podcast. I am so excited to have you, just both as humans and everything you represent. And I know that our guests are going to get a lot out of this, especially with all of the tourism in Guatemala growing. So uh, we have a lot to talk about today. But I just want to start by having you two introduce yourselves, um, because we have two people I'm interviewing right now that are very special. And just like personally, I want to get to know you a little bit, and then we'll get into the company and everything later. All right. 
Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm Gio. Uh, my name is, well, in Spanish, is Jorge. I'm Guatemalan. I own a volcano hiking company um, in Antigua, Guatemala. And uh, we're just trying to, like, uh, pave the way for conscious entrepreneurship. Yes. And I'm Daria. I am originally from Canada. Toronto, Ontario, to be specific, and I've been bouncing around from Toronto and Vancouver pretty much all my life. I worked, I'm in my mid-20s, and started working in finance mm-hmm. um, at the age of 19, thinking that I was just going to climb the corporate ladder. Oh, wow, but, I didn't know oh, that. Literally, that was my life. I was like, I'm going to be a boss woman one day. <laughs> but I just, I didn't, because the thing is, I studied medicine or um, life science in university in the mm-hmm. hopes to pursue medicine. Switched it up, went into sports broadcasting, from sports broadcasting, (laughs) fell into finance, and then I loved it. I loved putting on my suit, going into the office, Um, and I guess I spent four solid years of my youth or young adulthood trying to prove to other people that I can be a successful businesswoman and not just that, I could be a successful female in the financial industry because females are not looked so highly upon mm-hmm. um i've had multiple different clients tell me time and time again oh i want to speak to a senior male because i am a young female mm-hmm. so it was just i was adamant on trying to prove others right but while i had the stability of my job in finance i started traveling and my let's say every four month travel turned into every month travel mm-hmm. and I fell in love with traveling and I made my way over to Guatemala in December of 2020, fell in love with the country, eventually fell in love with this (laughs) man right here next to me. And I was like, enough is enough. And I quit my job. I originally was going to move to Panama to start a retreat center. Mm -hmm. And I came to Guatemala just to see where this connection that we have would go and I never left. <laughs> so I've been here since. That is amazing. That's a bit about me. That is amazing. I always love doing interviews with people because when you ask them to introduce yourself, you learn things that you didn't like. You think this podcast is going to be about like hiking volcanoes or whatever, and it yeah. turns into like travel and falling in love and all of these things. So thank you for yeah. sharing it with with us. No I problem. I love that. Okay, so before we get into all the things I want to talk about today, I'd like to tell my guests how I met you. And um, we're going to go into the company that you own, that you run, that you participate in. And so I met these two hiking up a volcano, almost like dying going up the volcano, but I made it. Um, made it. <laughs> I made it. Um, I had no idea that this was like your company and how involved you were. I was just talking to these two and kind of learned that later. Um, so we met through a really organic, fun way. Um, but so I have surprise questions for you. Today, my questions are a little weird sometimes. Today, my question is... We are a weird couple in general, so go ahead. I figured you'd be okay with it. (laughs) So I I want you both to answer separately. If you had to come back and spend a hundred years as either a forest, a mountain, or a volcano, which would you be and what would your name be? And you can't be like Mount Geo. It has to be, it can't have like, or Jorge, it has to have a different name. Um, I'm thinking of a forest. I'm just going to go with what, what my heart, like saying, like, okay. I don't know why. I heard horse and I horse. was like, why is horse in with mountain and volcano? <laughs> you, you got a forest? Forest, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. It's you. It's me. It's my hearing. It's off. If you want to be a horse though, that's fine too. I mean. No, it's totally, okay, I'll pass on the horse. <laughs> the forest and probably named Forrest Gump. Um, I love that I love that and I would be a mountain because I feel like mountains give off so much beautiful energy Mm -hmm. and not just for the mountain itself because myself I would want it I've always 
loved altitude. I always say the higher, the better. I was a rock climbing instructor at one point in my life. And um, yeah, to be able to see everything from above and to be able to provide people what mountains have provided me when hiking and the sense of it's a very difficult journey to make it to the top. But once you're at the top, it is so surreal and breathtaking mm-hmm. to be able to provide that to others. I would be Mount C. I know this is kind of cheating, but I would call it C because Daria, my name, means C in Farsi. Mm. And so I would be incorporating the water, which is also a very special element in my life, into my new self, which is a mountain. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that you two are ready for this. Like, you're like, we know, (laughs) we know what we're doing. That's so beautiful. Gio, why would you be the forest? Um, I just feel like the forest is the most alive. Mm-hmm. It's where you see so many micro and macro organisms. Mm-hmm. And it just feels that everything is connected, you mm-hmm. know. The other day we were watching this oncology documentary and I'm um, like I'm obsessed with it. Uh, <laughs> and just like to to think how nature communicates and um intertwines between one another, like different organisms, different species. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to feel what it is to have that, you know, like to be yeah. able to speak. Yeah, I'm also a huge Lord of the Rings uh, fan, you know that yeah. already, just like Tim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and one of my favorite parts, it's how the ants uh, are communicating so slowly mm-hmm. and how they can like get the news from one side to the other. Uh, without really speaking, like they have this dance, and it's like, I don't know. There, there's this magic that I, I don't know, but I want to feel. That's why I want to be a forest. Mm, whoa, you, <laughs> yes, I feel like every time I go and sit in the forest, I'm trying to feel that, and I feel connected, but not in the way like I am the forest, and this is all happening through me. So, whoa, yes. Yeah. Mind equals blown. Yeah, <laughs> mind blown. The perspective you just provided, I will forever be thinking about. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about love of mountains. So that was a great start to it. Um, Gia, I want to start with you because you are huge into, like I'm not, so I don't know the correct terms, if you'd call it hiking or summiting, but you go kind of from mountain to mountain. I want to hear about your love of mountains and where that started yeah um so my first uh, memories of mountains was with my dad when i was probably like seven or eight years old mm-hmm. um he was in the military he was uh deployed on the internal war in guatemala so for many months i think it was like 10 months he was deployed into like this mountains fighting the guerrilla here mm-hmm. um so himself, he was a very outdoors person as well. He he likes uh, he liked going outside and just doing whatever. So when I was seven, uh, I think he was seven, yeah, he took me to my first volcano, which is Volcán de Agua, the one that you can see from Antigua, that it's like perfectly conic uh, stratosphere volcano. So we hiked that, and I just had... The, like a huge blast, you know, like this little kid with like a ton of energy. Um, and my dad back then was probably like 40 something. Um, he could barely keep up with me. <laughs> but I don't know, just the mysticism of going outside, um, feeling the clouds uh, hit your body, you know, because you, you're usually just looking at the clouds from below. Mm-hmm. But when you're up there, that altitude, and you see the clouds run through you, it just feels special. You know, mm-hmm. so it started there. And um, I think after my, my dad's passing when I was 12, mm-hmm. I didn't really, I was not in touch with mountains until I was probably in my 20s, like okay. early, very early 20s, where I decided to take on again um, hiking volcanoes in Guatemala. And as, as I was going on my 20s, I had this. And I still have this big curiosity on death mm-hmm. because um, um, there is a, a phrase that um, that is spoken of. I, I can't remember which, like, 
I think it was Jesus who said it, like, if you want to understand life, uh, that is your best teacher. Mm. Um, maybe not in those words. I'm for sure not in those words. But that was like the main, the most of the context, you know, like to mm. understand life, you need to first understand that. And uh, at that moment, I was going through like one of my biggest um, life changing moments, right? Um, I, I was already vegetarian mm -hmm. for a few years and I just transitioned into vegan, mm -hmm. uh, plant-based at that time. So um, I, I, I just felt like I needed to like start making peace with what death is mm. and how it surrounds us and that death can be just around the corner for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So I started taking on, on many like challenges ultra marathons on mountains start hiking some glaciers in peru in mexico in uh, argentina um and every experience i was in those mountains there was somewhat of a near-death experience mm -hmm. that just brought me closer and closer to it you know mm -hmm. um so i started to learn in the mountains how to die mm -hmm. how to how to like be okay with death how to be for death to be part of my life you know mm -hmm. so instead of running away from it because that's most time what we do as a, like uh, when I was young I was just trying to like see the future and get here and there and trying to accomplish this uh and that, that or you know it was all about living and trying to get somewhere mm -hmm. uh, but you forget how to be present mm -hmm. right and that is all about being present uh, because you have no more time like this is it right mm -hmm. so um for me part of the mountain journey was also the plant-based journey mm -hmm. uh, learning about death uh how it surrounds us and how this world is so um so much stronger than we we think and we just seem to as a humanity to forget about it and continue to exploit it in ways that are not right so yeah that, the mountain journey is attached to the to the plant-based and death journey for me wow and you know i'm all about that so i didn't even realize that that was part of that journey for you actually i'm really glad you included that um because yeah i've been thinking a lot about that lately and um I've been thinking a lot about how much we have used the earth, you know, whether it's for animal agriculture or mining or whatever. And yet there's like still all of these beautiful volcanoes and mountains, like just how resilient the earth mm. is in the faith, face of all this death that we kind of cause. Um, so yeah, I love, I love that you brought that up and I would love throughout the rest of this conversation to definitely include whenever you feel like it more about that, plant-based journey and how that ties into you um because yeah people who have listened to my podcast know that this is a big theme for me um and it ties in a lot to what you do too so thank you for yeah. sharing us with like sharing that with us and I know that still you're going and hiking volcanoes and mountains correct like how often do you do that uh not as often as I would like okay <laughs> <laughs> um probably once a year now okay um being in a relationship has definitely like we we need to like look for what we both want to do he's blaming me i don't know <laughs> i'm saying like you know like i i also want to do the things she wants to do yeah before my free time was going to be okay i'm going to buy a ticket to ecuador and just go and hike a mountain mm -hmm. And I think like even the first months when we started dating, I already had this trip planned to Ecuador and it was like, we were, I wish she could have come along, yeah. but it was like something that I planned with another friend already. And it was just like two, two boys going to climb a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, so it was uh, Cotopaxi. It was Cotopaxi in Ecuador. Yeah. It's such a beautiful volcano. Um, so yeah, right now, once a year, maybe twice, but I'm looking forward to start hiking yeah. more with Daria. Well, we, we hike at Catenango. Yeah, you do that often. <laughs> I don't know what we do. The thing is, <laughs> I know, right? We've done it so many times now. The thing is, like, I too love hiking. Yeah. The only thing is, again, our physical capabilities. Yeah. So the altitude that he's been able to reach in the summits, 
um, and the pressure in the summits that he's been able to withstand are very different from what I have. Yeah. And I will eventually work up to summoning Cotopaxi because <laughs> that is something I would love to do. It's yeah. just with time. And yeah, we don't, in this life, we don't have a lot of time. So we need to make the most of it. Yeah. Especially when you're invested in uh, nature and relationships. I, I've noticed that with Tim and I too, right? Because like he loves the garden and being home yeah. and I love traveling. So it's like, how do we come to this compromise of doing both? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's literally, as soon as you said that, I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because you want to maintain this relationship that's so important to your partner. But at the same time, you want to maintain the relationship with your passion, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, I love this. I love all of the things that are weaving into this conversation already. This is great. Of different yeah, lives. So <laughs> yes. So, okay. So you're still hiking and we kind of heard about, which was beautiful, by the way, about how you fell in love with um, summoning mountains and volcanoes and glaciers and this relationship with death and life. So when did the point come where you turned this into a company and you were like, I want to help people experience this thing I'm feeling? How did that even happen? Um... <clears throat> So when I moved to Antigua, the town where we are now, um, we opened a hostel with my business partner, mm -hmm. whose name is Andrea. Um, we call her Andy. Mm -hmm. And we were running this hostel. The name is the same, Wichu and Charlie's, mm -hmm. um, for like maybe two years. And the hostel thing is just not working out. Like it was, we, we were fully, almost fully booked, like somewhere over like 80, 90%. However, the numbers was just like not there, you know, like mm -hmm. it was a bit frustrating. It's like, how are we fully booked, but yeah, not making any money. Mm -hmm. And, but it's, it's not just about the money. Like the hostel really taught us like a lot of fun things and we had a great time. Um, but um, I would, at, the, at that point where we're like, we need to start making a bit more money. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start taking people up to this volcano because one, I love hiking too. Mm -hmm. The companies that are already existing are doing a horrible job because every client that we had in the hostel will come back and complain, not about the volcano, but about the company that they were taking, right? Yeah. I'm like, it's not that hard. Like, guys, come on, just get it right. <laughs> yeah. And that same year, I started like doing overnight hikes with clients. So I will okay. take them overnight. We will hike during the night. Uh, get to summit by sunrise and then come down. Mm -hmm. um, and after a few of those, like during those same months, um, Antigua had this like boom of hostels. Mm. Uh, this town used to have like 300 beds available throughout all the hostels. And within like, I think like six months, no more than a year, it doubled that amount. Mm. Um, so we were like, I don't know, like, it doesn't feel like we should be competing with them. So uh, Andy had the idea, like, what if we start, like, focusing more on, like, hikes to a volcano? And then I just took that idea and made it, wait, let's, like, let's, like, study this business and, like, do something worth, like, solve all the pains that the customers already have. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we saw is, like, one customers mostly complain about the weight of the backpack because mm -hmm. uh, they have to carry the tent and the sleeping bag and all the, the 50 pound bag like mm -hmm. it was many bags um and the water so i was like let's let's forget about that and just make a permanent base camp up in up in the mountain um so we made the first base camp and um left all the tents there and just decided to like have a different business model. It's like, let's open the door to all those tourists who are not avid hikers mm -hmm. who would like to take on this endeavor without the weight of a very heavy backpack that you will have to be definitely in great shape to carry up. So if we lower the weight, we open the door to many more clients and it was right. Like, Within a year, uh, the volcano started taking, I think, like four times more people than it used to. Um, and we were paving the road to like having uh, base camp features and uh, things like that. Wow. <laughs> so that's how it's I 
did not realize that you were the first people to kind of set up base camp up there because yeah. let me tell you just for people listening I um did this hike up the volcano and and you go up and you get to watch another active volcano explode at night and it's literally just one of the coolest things um that I've seen and for me like I feel like there's a lot of young people who are backpacking but at the same time they're partying they're drinking they may not be in the best shape right they're like kind of in this like party mode and for me I'm even like I don't do that stuff. I still try to stay, you know, I'll go on runs and stuff. And it was still challenging for me. So I so appreciate that you have this thing where it makes it more accessible to more people to be able to get up there and have this mind blowing experience. Um, And if they want the extra challenge, they can take it on. And if not, they can kind of, you know, uh, like they have options. So that's pretty amazing. And not only were you the first person to set up base camp up there, but you kind of have different standards and care about your workers and the planet in a different way. So can you go into how you do that and why that was important to you in your business model? Um, yeah. So, um, at the time we turned Charlie started, we, uh, my business partner and I were both, uh, vegans okay. based and, it's, it's not about the title of being something or the other, but like you just learn how to be conscious, right? Like being, being plant-based, you learn to stop turning the head, you know, when things get bad, mm-hmm. like, um, you see something that you don't like, then fix it, right? Like do yeah. something about it. Stop just like turning the head and like, uh, you know, so yeah. we saw some things that we didn't like in the volcano. And one of them was like the plastic, the single use plastic Mm -hmm. and styrofoam used by other companies. Mm -hmm. Um, We also saw how they were um, taking down the trees to just use for wood uh, and extra wood for cooking. And like the the usage of wood there without a sustainable like way of planting trees for the future Mm -hmm. was not there. Um, And... uh, and we also knew that one of Guatemala's and many other third world countries biggest problem is, is that the power is centralized in the capitals. Mm-hmm. So most, most of the, the income or most of the money is centered around the big cities. Yeah. And a, a solution for these countries is to start allowing the power or like the, the economy to be distributed more evenly throughout the small communities in outside the rural, rural areas. So we saw it as an opportunity. We, we started the company with only local guides from the volcano. Mm-hmm. People who usually were making uh, in dollars would be like $7 a day mm-hmm. in the field working, um, in bean fields or corn fields or whatever harvest they will have. Um, and they will sometimes be porters to the other companies. Mm-hmm. But we we decided to, again, like, don't do the easy thing that will be just hire them as porters and get uh, a, a certified guide from the city or from, from outside of Guatemala, like a foreigner, mm-hmm. and get let that person run, run the tour. Mm-hmm. So we took the highway and mm-hmm. we started training the guys. We're like, mm-hmm. we want to give them an opportunity to make a fair wage, to make more money that they're making mm-hmm. um, and uh, allowing them to 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 also like go get the tools that they need so we provided English and uh, medical like uh, first aid certification and mountain rescue certifications uh, invested in a couple of guides from New Zealand and France to teach them how to be a um, so we, we taught them how to be guides mm-hmm. and we knew immediately that that would have a big impact on the community because this, this group of guides who at the time were 18 to 22 years old, uh, some of them even younger than that, were soon going to be the head of the family, mm-hmm. right? So this, these young people are usually the people that will migrate to the United States or Canada in search of better life or like a yeah. better possible 
opportunity to to make more money to send back home. So we saw and we knew that if we give them an opportunity for them to be um, to, to be professionals, uh, to have the techniques uh, to make a proper living, like uh, make four or five times more what they're making in a day mm-hmm. uh, with an honest work, they would take it. And and it was like that. Mm-hmm. We grew, grew from six guides, 12, from 12 to 18. I think at some point we had to like around 20 something guides. Yeah. And out of those 20, the first three years, only one left to the US. Whereas I think if we were not working or like working with them like that, at least half of them or somewhere around that would have left Guatemala already in search for uh, work in the, U- in the US or somewhere else. And that could be a dangerous journey just because of it is, it is actually all of that we, um, when the pandemic hit um and the company had to to stop taking tourists like we where there was no tourists traveling and anyone was no one was traveling uh the first six months yeah after the in late 2020 um one of the, our guys that we really loved um he left and the family stopped having news uh, when he was crossing Mexico to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And to this day, they still don't know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only know that someone with the characteristics of him was reported dead, uh, dead in the deserts of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they they have already, now it's been more than a year, they have already like acknowledged that it's very, very likely that he passed away during that mm-hmm. crossing. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people and just you know when you travel of course you meet more people and you hear more stories understand how dangerous first of all how hard it is to get into the u.s or canada with proper documentation um that the government like enforces at the borders i don't think people understand how hard it is to even get in and so people are trying to cross undocumented which forces them to come in contact with ice or maybe with gangs or also just like the natural elements of the desert i mean yeah crossing like uncharted kind of uncharted territory is huge so yeah i just want listeners to kind of think about that um like yeah if there are not jobs there that can support families especially if you're the head of the household you're gonna you're gonna be willing to do a lot for your family and sometimes at the risk of your own self so yeah no so yeah um that's where we saw the biggest opportunity was the impact with the community mm-hmm. and obviously like changing things in the environment like uh planting more trees or um uh doing beach cleanups or introducing a, a plant-based meal for every hiker yeah uh, because we, 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 again we really believe in like one of the biggest impact you can have is uh going plant-based and if we are the owners and we can get to choose what to serve uh, and the people are uh, the higher us are okay with that then yeah we want to serve plant-based if we make it tasty and And i can't remember the numbers i posted it on my instagram one year after the company going plant-based meals only instead of vegetarians Mm -hmm. vegetarian meals the impact it had it was I, i was like okay I'm never serving vegetarian meals if with one year of catering to customers, uh, three meals per hike, uh, got us this far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. We start, yeah. It's, it's just amazing to see the numbers, how much water you save, how much true, uh, animals, blah, et cetera. You know, you know, the deal. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was so excited. Honestly, that was the first thing that had me hooked when I was looking for companies to do the hike with. I was like, damn, they're vegan. Like, someone in this company is vegan. Someone is somewhere. I know it. And because I saw the meals were plant-based, and I saw that was, like, something that you were saying outright. Um, and the meals were amazing, and everyone around me enjoyed them. And I heard people like, oh, yeah, this is plant-based. It's so good. Oh, my God, I've never had anything like that. So that was cool, but... I really appreciated that because sometimes I've been on tours, for example, like whale watching or scuba diving or something, and we're talking about conservation on the boat, and we're talking about sea life, and then they serve you fish for 
lunch. It's contradictory. I'm like, no, this is not. We literally can't save the fish by killing them. That's that's it. It's not how it works. (laughs) Simple map, isn't it? Yeah, this is like, you know, one minus one, zero. They're gone. They're dead. Um, So I really loved that about your company, especially because, you know, I feel like I, I say it a lot, but animal agriculture is one of the leading causes of climate change, species extinction, Um, the clearing of land, you know, which then in turn pushes wildlife into human hands and and then pandemics start and things like that. So um, I think, yeah, for companies, if they can make that switch, I think it's just huge. And you're obviously paving the way in a really positive direction um, with your company. So I appreciate all that so much. And I'm just like blown away by what you're doing because for, you know, people... I've posted, I think, a small video about it. People can go look at it and I'll be put, posting an article soon. But the food was plant-based. We took it up in reusable containers. So there was no styrofoam. There was no plastic, you know, being used as trash. The guides were amazing. Um, obviously, they were they knew what they were doing. They were so encouraging. Like, I don't know if I would have made it up the volcano without them, honestly. <laughs> um, and I know that they are we're so well taken care of by you. So I'm just, yeah, so happy to learn more about how this happened. And what impact has this had on other tour companies? Have they kind of changed their policies after they've seen you leading the way? Um, the cabins. Uh, the cabins, yeah. The, the permanent base camp is something that um, every company took on. Mm-hmm. Um they're still using cabins, but and and most of them are still using single single use plastic. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know what else to tell them. Uh, we've tried. Uh, I think there's one or two companies that does use reusable containers, mm-hmm. but they will put like the plastic fork, you yeah, know, and put everything on a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. So um, we saw that change. Um, other companies also started training local guides. I think that was like the biggest change mm-hmm. that we we thought like they probably got the messages like yes, you can do this with local community like the local community. You can help the community by hiring uh, community guides and not foreigners. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was the biggest impact. And if you, I wish we could have like a picture of what the the little aldea looked like, the village looked like before we started and how it looked now mm-hmm. and you will see all these houses being built uh you will see guides that didn't have a vehicle now have they have cars mm-hmm. nice cars <laughs> so yeah. they have nicer cars than than <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of them's building a house i'm like oh wow we don't, we don't even have a property yet. Some oh, yeah. them already have land bonds they have land and house and car and everything like yeah. I, it's just like it really, you know, that is that when I see that, um, I didn't think that was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. But then when you look back, you're like, oh, that's that is gratifying. That is really gratifying to know that the effort that we have gone through and all the money spent um, mm-hmm. to make this a more conscious company uh, has gone has gone somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you, both of you, do you feel like people, do people ever comment to you like, we chose you because you do this? Obviously, I've said that, but do a lot of people say that to you? Do they tell you? Yeah, there, there is definitely some, uh, we cannot, we don't have time to speak to every customer. I wish we would. Uh, there's a lot of customers going through. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But uh, definitely every time uh, I start talking to someone more in depth, they will definitely say how how they chose us because of the plant-based meals, of the community guides, um, or because just they, they know that we are putting money back to animal shelters, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we definitely get that a lot, and it's gratifying to hear. That yeah. people are looking and people are looking into uh, more conscious traveling. Yeah. Sustainable. Yeah, because y'all are 
y'all are really doing it. And that was another thing I wanted to ask you about. Can you talk to us a little bit how you are able to donate to animal shelters and what role those animal shelters play in your community? Yeah, so many years ago, we we went to this animal shelter, had over 600 dogs and like 300 cats. And it was, it was run by this lady who's been like through so many things and you can you you cannot see her without crying mm -hmm. it's like it's really painful to watch so when we had the assets when, when money was coming in green numbers we're like okay it is the right thing to do to help yeah. um so and we also put it out there to universe it's like universe if you allow us like this company to be successful and to work we promise we will help other special animals yeah. and uh, so yeah being able to feed uh this many dogs um to pay for, for castration uh yeah um programs go through guatemala um for me it just feels right you know like i i i i cannot feel like I'm doing the right thing if I just keep all the money to myself, to ourselves. Like it's not, it, it is not, that's not the purpose of life. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I always uh, feel a little like wary of companies because so many companies are successful and then they hoard money. And then, you know, the people who own it are like driving the fancy cars and everyone else is like scrambling around, but that's like totally not you know, you're just so down to earth and um, you can really tell it's like a genuine thing. Like, oh yeah, you're having a huge impact on your community all around you. So um, that's that's beautiful. Yeah. And I hope other businesses kind of follow suit with that too. That's yeah, I I think like the dog, the dog, uh, dogs in the street in Guatemala is a big problem. Mm -hmm. And I have seen other companies helping in their own way, which is already something great. Um, but it, it's just about, you know, like going to sleep at the end of the day after a hard day of work and knowing that you've done the best you could, right? Mm -hmm. So every day you do that and you, you bring little things. Sometimes when the money's not there, the money's not there. But when the money shows up, what are you going to do, right? Like you're at your best. Are you going to look look to, to the people in need and you're going to do something about it? Because every day... It's, it's, it's just like, if you grab your, your life as a, as a day, like from the moment you're born, from the moment that the sun rises to the moment the sun sets and the moment that you die, right? Just look at it as a day. You work through this whole day. Maybe you didn't work all of it, but you, you work most of it. And at the end of the day, are you okay with what you've done today, right? And I think it's written over many places. Like, um, at the end of my life, I want to look back and say, yeah, I did everything I could as best as I could helping others. Um, and I think there was a, a book called Into the Wild. Mm -hmm. In high school, I read it. It had a huge impact on me. Yeah. Um, because of that last sentence in the book where he wrote, uh, Happiness is only real when shared, um, and you probably like. There is so much context to that to that phrase, right? Because yeah, I'm gonna go to a party and invite my friends because if I want to share this party, like I'm not gonna be like really happy. But no, like it, it can really go far to like so many other things, right? Like yeah. I'm gonna share this wealth with others, um, and just feel like. You know, like it is the right thing to do. Like, mm -hmm. again, plant based have brought me that lesson. Mm -hmm. What is the right thing to do? Yeah. Yeah. And Kaylin, you said one word, which was impact. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for travelers who are looking for conscious companies because I was once a mere traveler wandering <laughs> around Guatemala hiking a volcano. And you see a lot of companies publicly indicate that um, they are impacting the community or helping the community, but it's about really understanding what impacts they are leaving. Because if yes. you paint a school for within the span of five years, you're painting a school that impact 
realistically what has it done versus you've built a school yeah right or or consist consistency is so important and I guess that's why I am a huge advocate for Wicho and Charlie's is because as an outsider I see the inside work of how consistent they are with their contributions um, and not just to one cause but so many causes yeah and I'm I'm glad you said that too because I do think like sustainable green conscious like volunteer tourism is growing but there are people who say oh we do this but you're right maybe it's just painting a school and taking pictures with the kids like a one-time thing yeah yeah like they did it one time it's like you're actually really hurting that community there's a lot to um there's an account I love called no white saviors that highlights a lot of that people coming into other countries and being like we played with kids for a day we took pictures and this is our contribution yeah. and it's like no that's not a long term that didn't really do anything right that just that just hurt in the end so um yeah. i love especially that we get to do this podcast and that's why i wanted to talk to you about like what are you actually doing so people can see that and be like oh my gosh this is why we should support this company cuz you have it you know you like yeah. have the evidence of what you're doing too and something that a lot of friends and Daria has brought up many times is like, why don't you post the things that you do? Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel right. You know, like yeah. I don't do it for the sake of posting. Yeah. However, I do know, like now I know that it is important to find a way to do that it doesn't look like bragging because yeah. it's not the intention, right? Just to humbly, like to to let people know that when they choose us, when they when they choose to invest the money with us, they are that money is going places more than what they can see, right? Like more than yeah. what meets their plate. Yeah, that's what Gio taught me is work hard and uh, work hard in silence to let your success speak loud. Yeah. So I always coming into it, I was like, Gio, you're doing so many amazing things for the community, but why do you not publicly advertise this? And now I understand he doesn't want to be like, oh, look at what we do and Charlie yeah. is doing. Like, We're so amazing. We give back to the community. It's it's that community impact of, yeah, okay, um, there are less dogs in the street or even like the, the little community of La Soledad, how it's grown. That is their success yeah. doing the talking. So. And I think it comes through to just your website isn't braggy, but you're like, we, you do say, you know, we are plant-based. We support dog sanctuaries. We support blah, blah, blah. And, you know, even resources like this podcast, then if people want to know more and they're asking you questions, you know, you have, the, you've done it so you can tell people. But um, I think it still shines through, you know, not in a braggy way, but I think it definitely still gets through like, hey, we, we're serious about this and we're serious about our community. So I think you've just done... Not that you need my approval, but I would just say as an outsider, think you got it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Okay, so we've learned a little bit, a lot more about the company. And Daria, I want to hear about what your first hike was like. And for people listening, right, they haven't had this experience of hiking up and then watching a mm-hmm. volcano explode and all of these things that we have all done that I've only done once. So can you tell us what it's, that experience is like? Like, what should people expect if they go on a tour with y'all and what your first experience was like? Because now you've done it, I don't know, like, how many times? A lot. Ten times now. <laughs> yeah, you've I mean, done it a lot of times. Good one, zero. I'm yeah. not good at that. No, but um, as a first-timer, I mean, I've hiked multiple, not volcanoes, but I've hiked um, multiple mountains in the past from anywhere in Canada, to Germany, to Austria. And I am very familiar with altitude, but I have never, ever seen a volcano erupt in front of my eyes. So Mm -hmm. coming to Guatemala was a fluke. And (laughs) I originally wasn't supposed to hike with Wicho and Charlie's. And the universe played out that I had the opportunity to learn more about them. And I was able to book the tour. And yeah, as a first time, first time volcano or active volcano hiker, 
I went in and immediately you feel welcome. Like you walk into the agency, there's dogs running around, there's people getting ready Mm -hmm. and it's just all good vibes, energy all around. And I went mid pandemic. Mm -hmm. So even mid pandemic, I had a huge group and it's the energy of the group. It's the energy of the workers that you can't even put words to it. It's something you need to experience yourself. And and again, the guides, very similar to what you experienced, Kaylin, my first time, my guides specifically, um, his name is Brandon and he's mm-hmm. still with the company. And he would, he motivated me to get to the top because I, I have a health problem that sometimes I just... Uh, my body chooses to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> it's called CBS. And so I was experiencing one of my episodes of the volcano and like the bra- the, the the guide and, and the porters, they were all pushing me to keep going and they were supporting me. And at the top, like I didn't have anything to control my nausea, but then Brandon pulled out his own cacao leaves to give to me to help me um, settle down my stomach. And mm-hmm that just the support that I received going up to the volcano and the care that I received when I was up there, when there's no facilities, like yeah. <laughs> there's no bathrooms. Your bathroom is beautiful mother nature, but yeah. the care that I got from, from Wichu and Charlie, Charlie's and the comfort of, yeah, you're not sleeping in a tent. You're sleeping in a nice cabin oh and God, you have yes. really good food. I mean, at that time, because of the pandemic, I didn't have food because um, that wasn't a part of the experience. So my food sucked. But <laughs> now that I like it with the proper experience, yes, the food is delicious. Yeah. But I'll tell you and all of the listeners who want to do this or want to experience something that you will never forget for the rest of your life sitting around the fireplace not the fireplace but the fire pit roasting marshmallows with complete strangers like you do not know who they are but journey up a volcano and the the physical and mental exhaustion that your body is experiencing and then you get to sit down and really share the most beautiful conversations and create the most beautiful memories. And as soon, okay, during the day, you see the the eruptions with the smoke and everything, but as soon as it goes pitch black and you see that first eruption with orange, bright orange lava, and you're you're in the midst of an amazing conversation and then everything goes silent. (laughs) And that is something that it still gives me chills to this very day because I can picture all of those amazing, beautiful faces that were sitting around that fire with me mm-hmm. and that moment that we all were just speechless. Yeah. And that is something that I say, if you have the mental ability to push yourself through something that is physically exhausting, do it yeah. because you are not going to regret it. Okay, sure, even on the way down, your knees are going to hurt, but just going back to that moment at the top, it was, wow. It, it was incredible. It was incredible. So yeah, my first experience was something that brought me back. And now it, I guess the number of times that I've um, hiked this volcano speaks more than my words because I've done it 10 times. So yeah, I, I have never gotten tired of it. And every single experience is a new one. Just because it's erupting doesn't mean that every eruption is the same. Yeah. And, and it's so cool because it erupts within 20 to 30 minute intervals so you never get tired and it it's just wow I feel like a a a little kid (laughs) not knowing that this is real life I'm like oh my gosh I'm in a dream and and again every single time I actually do hike with Weecha and Charlie's and I I go and stay at their base camp and I can tell you this honestly that I have not met one group of hikers who again are all strangers that I haven't been able to feed off of their energy and appreciate Mm -hmm. their presence on the top of the volcano. Like everyone is just so warm and incredible. And again, these are complete strangers. They're not the guides who have been trained um, in, in, in the way that we two and Charlie's has trained them. These are complete strangers using this company, going to the top. And then I've, I've seen people literally go, travel the rest of Guatemala with the people that they met on the volcano. Yes. Oh, so it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. 
Yeah. And I wish I could experience my first time again, but <laughs> every single time is a new time for me. Yeah, I could imagine just because of all the different parts of the hike, like through different terrains. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, like you go from desert, not desert, but like dry land sand. over to a beautiful, beautiful rainforest, tropical feeling, and then to pine, and yeah. then to ash and rock. And you're like, am I going to a different country yeah. just up a volcano? Like, yeah. I experienced Canada, Costa Rica, and I don't know, somewhere in the Middle East, all at once. Yeah, yes, that that's what was, I, I have hiked a volcano before, and it actually erupted like a couple days after we hiked it. Oh, wow. um, but I, so I never got to see it, but the terrain was not like that. So I didn't realize that it was going to be so diverse. Like it really surprised me. Yeah. And like to what you said earlier, because I'm sure y'all remember, but when I got to the top of the volcano, I, okay. So I had altitude sickness for the mm -hmm. first time in my life, like three days before we did this hike and I was vomiting and then I got a stomach bug. So then I had diarrhea and so I was like really out of it. And so I really, just because this hike is already challenging, I was even more like, wow, I'm dying. So when I made it to the top, everyone was going to hike closer or go out for sunrise. And it's I was like, I was like, damn, I just can't. I'm sorry, Tim. Like you can do this if you want, but it's not for me today. And I remember feeling so much FOMO, like fear of missing out on things because everyone was going, but your dad was there. Yeah. And it was just us three there. And I had the best time sitting at that fire, letting my body relax, just taking it all in without trying to scramble up like another hill again. Mm -hmm. um, and then you two were there and it was just like, that thing that you were talking about when you're sitting around the campfire. And then later I got everyone else who came back and it was just, I just felt like no matter what I did, it would have been right because I was there. Exactly. So exactly. whether you want to sit there and take it in, like I did, if you physically just can't keep going or you want to do extra hikes, I just feel like you really can't go wrong because it's all an experience and it's all an adventure. So exactly. Yeah. And, and the first time, because I was experiencing my stomach episode, I was exactly like you, FOMO. I was like, but, but everyone's going to Fuego. Like, what about me? I'm stuck at base camp. Like, why? And yeah. then when you see that first eruption and you're like, wait, like, this is amazing too. I, yeah. I could sit here and watch the lava while relaxing versus, yeah, okay, you're hiking. You're doing a whole another four-hour trek to come back late at night, exhausted, to eat, to then go to sleep. So, so yeah, then wake up, uh, like, two hours later. Well, that's the thing. I Mine, because everyone went to Fuego, and, again, the, the individuals who were still at base camp um, sharing the fire and those memories with me, uh, they chose to sleep in in the morning because, again, when you are at 3,600 meters of altitude with a volcano erupting every 20 <laughs> to 30 minutes, like, boom, boom, you're not sleeping. I didn't Like, sleep. that is the reality. You are not sleeping. So I'm the type of person, even though I'm exhausted, I will push myself through it. So yeah. I was the sole hiker who woke up to go summit Acatenango in the morning. Wow. And that was pure magic. Seeing the moon on one side, the sun rising on the other, lava spewing from a volcano. Yeah. and other volcanoes in the background and not just that the shadow that uh, so the light of the sun bouncing off of the volcanoes creating a shadow above the clouds oh my yeah. gosh and the crater and it's and just the crater you feel like you're, you're on another planet. space it's incredible it's incredible and that hike down to um again brandon was my guide for the whole thing and i have him to thank i have Lucha and charlie's to thank and i am so happy to be back and be able to do it whenever I want so that's yeah beautiful. it's something I, I highly recommend people experience like if you're going to go to to travel don't go anywhere other than Guatemala and when you come to Guatemala go up to Volcano <laughs> I second that that's what I'm telling people too that's what I'm writing on my blog um because yeah it's just an extremely special place with really special people and um I hope that people listening are able to 
you know, when they're planning out their travels, if they're going to Guatemala, mm-hmm. they're able to come and see y'all and, like, have this whole experience and know what we're talking about because it's just, it's hard to understand just listening to a story, but when you're there, because um, I did the, I actually did the sunrise hike. I also almost didn't make it again, but the guides were like, come on. I really wanted to sit down halfway. I was like, really, you can leave me here. I'm just going to watch it from here. And they were like, I really, I was so dramatic. I was like, I'm just going to watch it from here. And they're like, you can do it. Come on. And I'm like, oh my God. I was almost like crying, but I did it. And I was so glad. And it's just, yeah, it's hard to explain that feeling through words. So. I hope that people are able to uh, listen and then visit you. So I hope so too. And if any of the listeners are listening and very curious about Guatemala, like tell them to reach out to me. You guys reach out to me because yes. I, I love uh, trip planning and helping people experience Guatemala the way that I have now been able to experience it because this place is just filled with so much purity and rawness and, and beauty. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that actually leads me to some of my final questions for you. Um, Is there anything else you want to share? And what is the best way, like I could put your Instagram handle in if people want to message you, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you to book their tour, all of these things? Um, To book a tour and to learn more about it, I think the best way is on the website. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they want to see like more reference about what it is, Instagram for sure. Um, on the website, you will find our WhatsApp or one of our team members. Like it's always there to help. Well, not always, but like business <laughs> not hours. middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> business hours. We're always there to help. Uh, if they want to reach personally to one of us, uh, yeah, I think through Instagram is the best way. Awesome. Well, I'll include all of those links in the show notes so people can find you, they can book their tours, all of those things. Um, And is there anything you want to leave listeners with? It could be a quote, a story of something that happened, or just any final thoughts that you have. Um, Let's see. (laughs) While he's thinking, I'll tell you mine. (laughs) Yes. Um, so again, if it wasn't for this volcano, I would have never met Gio. And if it wasn't for the volcano, I never would have met you and like you, Kaylin and and Tim. And so that's why I live for these moments. And that's why I want other people to experience these moments because time passes by and memories are what last a lifetime. And Again, sitting on top of a volcano, watching another volcano erupt with people you don't even know. But now here we are. Yeah. Months later, conversing and still communicating and still supporting each other in both of our journeys. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful thing, the way that life works. And I always live by the motto. It's on my Instagram as well. <laughs> Just live. It's that simple. So if you are in a moment of your life where you don't know, but you want to do something, go for it. Don't live a day with regret because if you do the thing that you want to do and it ended up being horrible, you made a mistake and you learned from it. But then if you didn't do it, you will always wonder what if. So yeah, if you want to pick up your bags and go travel somewhere in the hopes that it's going to be an eye awakening, uh, awakening journey, or just you're going to have the best time of your life, or you're going to go drink and party on a boat, <laughs> like whatever you want to do, just do it. Yeah. Because our life ends at a certain point, very similar to how Gio said of like, in order to understand life, you need to understand death and accept it. So it, I'll tell you this honestly, four years ago when I started in finance, if I, if you were to tell me, hey, death is going to come knocking at your door, I would be like, no, 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 wait, wait, I'm not, I'm not ready to die yet. Like, yeah. please don't take me. But now that I've been able to take my life into my own hands and do the whole, like, just live, it's that simple. Living so simply allows me to accept that if death does come knocking at my door, I'll thank life for these past 25 years yeah and I'll go gracefully because it's been the most beautiful 25 years of my life 
um, the only 25 years of my life. But <laughs> yeah, so that's I'm I'm grateful for the volcano. I'm grateful for you, Kaylin, and yeah. um, I'm grateful that we're here sharing all of our stories. Oh my gosh, that was that that was such a good note. And I also wanted to add to your list, like if you want to do this, if you meet someone who you fall in love with, move to another for country it. for them. <laughs> Definitely. Do There's it. So many stories of uh, people falling in love while traveling. Yeah. Yes. We're just another one of them. We are. And if you, if you, the thing is, you can't fake a connection. And mm. I know it's scary. Like as a female, I never wanted to be that type of woman who's like, yeah, I'm gonna pick up and move my life for a man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not moving my life for a man. I'm moving my life for love. Yeah, for the love that I I want to be in the pursuit of that will be part of my happiness and a part of my life. So I'm not I'm not moving for a man, and and the the viewers out there, the the listeners out there aren't moving for another man or a woman. If you feel that connection, you you pursue that connection for yourself, yeah. not for anyone else. I'm so glad you yeah. said that. Yeah, you should use all of that. <laughs> You know I am. That's like gonna be yeah. the intro yeah, like, to post like so Darius book for us, and uh, I'm I'm good. That's a wrap. <laughs> no, what do you have to share? Um, I probably am not as uh, out there as you. Like, uh, <laughs> um, I I always keep the one thing in mind, and I really love this quote about Albert Einstein. He said, mm -hmm. "Love is the answer." Mm -hmm. Um. And it really is. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm just not speaking about romantic love. Yeah. I'm speaking about all sorts of love, right? Um, and when you're in doubt, traveling, um, try and see what the good thing is, like what the conscious option is. What uh, if you if you don't feel like traveling right now, then don't do it. Like just just be kind, just be conscious, just be compassionate to one another. Mm. Um, don't don't I, I don't try to promote. Like that, this is like me personally. Um, I think compassion has to come before anything else. Mm -hmm. So if you don't feel ready to travel, don't do it. Like mm -hmm. be, be compassionate towards yourself and yeah. get ready to do it when you're ready. And I think your own inner self will let you know when, when, that, when you have to make that jump to do it right. Yeah. Sometimes you might have to push yourself a bit, which has has gotten me somewhere in life when when I push myself. But yeah, uh, the message out there for me is compassion. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, beautiful. Especially compassion towards ourselves, and and because I think once you really get into that, you can turn it outwards. And obviously, yeah. you both are like brimming with it, and so is your company and all of this. So I think yeah, you really really uh. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not completely happy with, mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because, you know, it's a norm, and they feel like they feel pressured by society. Definitely. Or they're just, you know, stuck in this rut, mm -hmm. and, you know, ruts can be comfortable for people. And they can be very comfortable. Comfort is not how you, how you grow as a person. <laughs>